Sooner Nation, Longhorn fans, welcome to episode 20 of the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. Kevin, I've had a lot of loyal BBP listeners reach out to me this week, checking in, checking my uh, agitation levels, my blood pressure, just my overall well-being after last week. It's good to be loved. It does feel good to be loved. And it also feels good to be listened to. So I appreciate everybody that's listened. But they, you know, and they're like, hey, where are you at on the scale of, uh, you know, on on the grief scale? Where are you at in the recovery? How are you feeling after the game? What's going on? Kevin, I was I was turning the corner. I don't know about you. I was turning the corner. I was fired up. I'm like, you know what? It's in the past. We got BB. We got BB. We're in the future. Well, Texas, I'm sure you're feeling starting to feel pretty good about playing West Virginia. They're two and two. You're two and two. It's got no problem. You were everything was looking up until and then. I get on Twitter this morning. Now, I want to be very clear about Twitter. I We've talked about this on this podcast, that I was apprehensive about getting on Twitter. That I didn't want to be part of the Twitterverse. That's not where I am comfortable. But I had so many people reach out and say, hey, for the BBP, we got to go on Twitter. And you said, yeah, John, go on Twitter. Let's do yeah, it. Twitter. You got to. You got to reach our people, man. And you know what? Through four games, even through the loss last weekend, I was having fun on Twitter. Everything was great. I enjoy reading the Texas tweets. I think think it gives me an insight into the Texas psyche that I've never seen before, good and bad things. Um, And so this morning, I am on the Twitter, and it is – dude, listen. Sooner Nation had turned a corner. It was hashtag Hicks to Norman. It was everywhere. It was all over my feed, too. It was the number, Kevin, the number two trending hashtag behind Hurricane Ian on the entire Twitter. That's impressive. I am listening. Well, so you saw it, too, though. Even as mostly a Texas on your individual, on your home Twitter, you were seeing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was everywhere. So I am listening to 1400 K ref 94, seven in Oklahoma city. And you have got some legitimate, legitimate heavyweights on the recruiting scene for Oklahoma on that station. Parker Thune is for two, four, seven. Travis Davidson is a, he's been, he's been on the station for only about three or four months, but he, he has been right on with a lot of analysis and recruiting these guys up until 3.20 this afternoon were firm in the David Hicks to OU camp. And Hicks drops the bombshell that he has chosen the University of Texas A&M. And Kevin, I went into a tailspin all over again. And I'll tell you what, if I'd have never been on Twitter to begin with, I probably would have never gone into a tailspin because I wouldn't have known that it was in the bag so much. And now I just I don't even know where my head is. Kevin, what can you tell us outside looking in about the Tate David Hicks commit to Texas AM? 
Well, first of all, for those who may not know, David Hicks, the five-star defensive lineman. Number one defensive formerly, lineman in the country. Yes. Allen High School, for the last three years, transferred to KD Paytow. His dad is an assistant coach there. Again, top defensive lineman in the country. Texas was recruiting him hard. Texas A&M has been recruiting him hard. OU has been. Never seen super interested in Texas. Um, visited a couple times, but hasn't for a while. Just never seen too interested. I think everybody thought he was going to OU. I think, I mean, it seemed like it was a done deal. He had some connections there with the staff. It just seemed like it was a done deal. And I just expected today to be more of a formality. Everybody had him penciled in as a commit really for the last month or so. So it was definitely a shock to everybody uh, when he picked a and the, the, the prevailing thought, Kevin, is that it's completely 100% NIL-driven. What say you? You know, it would make sense, right? I mean, apparently AM is top when it comes to the NIL game. So it would make sense. But it just seems so weird. You know, what could they have possibly have come in with and offered this kid to get a, a last minute flip like that? You know, I know he's been he's always liked AM, right? So it's not like they came out of the blue and hadn't recruited him at all, but it's very interesting. I don't know. I- there was concern about him signing with Oklahoma two, um, three weeks ago when he was scheduled to be at the Kent State game, and he went and watched the A&M Appalachian State game. And everybody right. kind of freaked out a little bit, like, oh, my gosh, yeah. he's, going, he's going to A&M. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, no, don't worry about it. And then A&M loses to Appalachian State which to me is like better than if he'd even come to Kent state. Right. I mean, to see them lose to app state had to be uh, that that couldn't have been like a really resounding reason to want to attend. Um, A&M just look, I know that they are prevalent in NIL right now. I know that they've had the, the number one recruiting class last year, statistically ever. I know that their fan base is willing to just throw obscene amounts of money at NIL opportunities for these kids. At the same time, though, A&M just continues to underachieve or maybe appropriately achieve for A&M. I mean, they're, gonna, they're on track for another eight and f- four, eight and five record or whatever it is, right? I mean, yeah. they're going to lose. They're, they're, they're an underdog at Mississippi State. They're going to lose to Alabama. They'll probably lose to Auburn. I don't know who they play in the East. Um, it, I just don't understand the allure to AM for these top level recruits. And, and especially when compared with, you know, what defensively Brent Venables has put into the NFL and the sales pitch that he's been able to deliver to a kid like David Hicks, it just, I guess it has to be an IL. Um, but I, I just don't understand. Am I missing something about the allure to the Aggies besides NIL? No, you're not. I, I, it doesn't make sense to me either. I mean, College Station, it's a kind of mid-tier SEC program, right? You know, why A&M over Alabama or Georgia, or even LSU, for that matter? They've had more recent success. So I don't know, man. And the, the, the fact that they cleaned up, not just at, at the defensive line spot, but at receiver, I mean, they've got stud receivers, and that offense is not a very desirable offense to play in. If you're a receiver, if you're looking at, you know, OU's offense, especially when Lincoln Riley was there, and then with Sark is doing in Texas, 
Like, why would you go play for Jimbo Fisher, who hasn't had really an explosive offense since Jameis Winston was playing quarterback? And the more we get away from that, the more I think is that was more Jameis Winston than it was actually um, uh, Jimbo Fisher. So, yeah, it's 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 um, head scratching to say the least. My brother, who is in Tampa right now, uh, surviving Hurricane Ian, he's fine. Wife is fine. Uh, he is a ginormous Saints fan. So that then makes him now a Jameis Winston fan. And I got to tell you, it bugs the crap out of me. Jameis Winston's a weirdo, Kevin. He's a weirdo. He's, a, he's an interesting dude, for real. Dude, yeah. when he talks about eating W's with his hands and he's doing all the weird stuff, it it, yeah, it makes me weird. like it's all icky and gross. And uh, he was perfect for Jimbo Fisher. Like those two weirdos deserved each other. And yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know what? Hey, guess what? I'm going to let it roll off my back. I'm still fired up for this week. We're still going down to Fort Worth. We're going to take care of business because I'll tell you what this is for both these schools this week. All this is, they're not look-ahead games because I feel like both schools are going to take care of business. They're not look-ahead games. It's just a prelude, Kevin. It's a prelude to the greatest week in sports, OU Texas week. So all we're doing here is just setting some foundation, setting some baseline expectations, to get us ready to embark on the BPP's first ever OU Texas week. So you know what, Kevin? I'm going to put it aside. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Please. Put it aside. Let's move on. Uh, so let's move on. On to week five. Our picks, Kevin, we are seven and seven. So we're exactly 500. We're basically the Texas of Texas. picks right now. Okay. Uh, OU is a six and a half point favorite at TCU. Texas is nine and a half point favorite against West Virginia. We'll pick those after our, after we, um, preview the two games, but for our game of the week, uh, the choices I think are picking back up again. I'm starting to get, now that we're kind of firmly in conference play, you're starting to seek some of the matchups, you know, you want. Yeah. So what, what big, do we got this week? The big noon kickoff. Michigan at Iowa, Michigan getting okay. 11, or Michigan giving 11. I don't know how Iowa – I don't even know that Iowa scores. That offense is a little rough, man. That offense is rough. It really is. I I don't know what's now, happened. Michigan to- defensively is not as good as they were last year. Okay. Right? They lose two stud edge rushers, studs. Aiden Hutchinson and, and uh, David Ojabo were both in the NFL now. But man, that Iowa offense—it's—it's it's hard to watch, man. It—it it is. It really—it's hard to watch. Um, a top fifteen matchup between Kentucky at Ole Miss. I did not realize Ole Miss was ranked number eleven. Ole Quietly Miss is putting together a good season. Quietly, a lot of people, a lot of OU fans were cocky and confident that with the loss of Levy, somehow Lane Kiffin's offense was just going to fall apart. Clearly, not the case. They are a six and a half point favorite against undefeated Kentucky. Wow, I I don't I'm that's one to, that's one to really think about. That that's a contender. Yeah, it's interesting. Would you lean Kentucky like me, or would you think Ole Miss takes care of business at home? Man, that offense is pretty explosive, man. And and Kentucky's still missing their. I don't know if Chris Rodriguez, their running back, is back yet. He's a really good player for okay. them. He's back. We'll see. Uh, the battle of the teams that broke our hearts last week, Texas Tech is at Kansas State. Kansas State is an eight-point favorite. 
I honest to God have no idea how to pick this game. I have no idea what to even expect. Man, I don't think that Texas Tech's any good. I still don't. No disrespect. That I just don't think that's a good football team. Uh, uh, I know case, they beat Texas, right? They got scoreboard, so obviously I can't say anything about them like that, but it, I just don't it, think it's a good football team. Is K-State the team we saw in Norman, or are they the team that lost to Tulane two weeks ago? Yeah, that's true. I still think they're better than Texas Tech, though. Okay. Um I just thought this line was interesting. Wake Forest pushed Clemson to the brink last week. Wake Forest is at Florida State. Florida State's a seven-point favorite. That's interesting. Florida State is undefeated, though, right? Yes. But they've been some – yeah, yeah, they are. Oklahoma State's at Baylor. Baylor's only a two-point favorite. That is a heck of a game in the Big 12. That is an exciting game. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. Do you know what time that kicks off? I think it's a 2.30 game. Oh, that's perfect, right between our games then. Yeah, I think it's a 2.30 game. Bama giving uh yeah giving giving 17 and a half at Arkansas. Iowa State. Pretty big spread there. Even Iowa, as good as Bama is. Iowa State's a three-point favorite at Kansas. Still unranked. Still unranked Kansas. I think Vegas is still like y'all are still hold on. Let's tap the brakes a little bit. And and the team that just signed he who shall not be named, AM. Uh, is a three-and-a-half-point underdog at Mississippi State. That is your slate of games to choose from, Kevin. I got to tell you, just going back to Kansas really quick, I, I get it, right? Like, okay, if you're voting on the top 25, I looked at the top 25 just briefly and said, okay, I guess you could make an argument for each individual team that is they're probably better than Kansas. I get that. At the same time, they are undefeated 4-0, which just sounds crazy. They're at home, only a three-point underdog to to Iowa State. Iowa State could get beat in this game. I'm not saying we have to pick it, but I'm saying Iowa State could get beat in this game. Yeah, because that offense is so explosive, man. And look, we all know Iowa State plays good defense. They always do, right? They don't have a lot of buzz or breakdowns. But, man, that offense, they can really make some things happen. And their quarterback is pretty dynamic. I think when he against, I think Texas was his first start last year. And obviously, you saw what he did to Texas last year. Oh, I, I think he's fantastic. And I just, I in this matchup, I just wonder where the points are going to come from for Iowa State. Yeah, you know, they're they're. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just one of those situations where if Kansas State can get twenty four, you know, twenty four, twenty seven points, I don't know that Iowa State can score that many points. Yeah, so. I agree. It's going to – I've never – I mean, I did not expect that this year to be talking about Kansas like that, but uh, I continue to be amazed at where they're at. I, I kind of am rooting for them, just kind of that underdog. And yeah, I like to see – It's a great story, and it's it's really cool to see that when people are put in a position to affect change, and they do, it's, it's pretty cool because it would be so easy to enter a job like Kansas and just be like, guys, the job here is just to try as hard as we can. Oh, not this yeah. guy. No, no, no. Yeah, he expects to win. Yeah. This guy's he like, expects to win. It's like, no, Bull, if, if we're going to play football, we're going to win. You know, and it's like, yeah. you got you got kids that have played football, were a really good, they were good football players. They didn't go to Kansas and become bad football players. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I picked last time, Kevin. I think you kind of perked up around Kentucky and Ole Miss, and I think you perked up around Oklahoma State and Baylor. I'm going to give you the choice. Which game you want to pick? Go with Oklahoma State and Baylor. <sighs> okay. 
You no, picked him at Waco, right? At Waco, Baylor is minus two points. They're giving two points. They're a two-point favorite. Your, cho- your I'm gonna choice. Go, I'm going to go with Baylor to cover. Uh, I'm going with Baylor to cover. I can't pick. I can't pick Oklahoma State. Not on the not on the Boomer Bebo podcast. That would be. But but for real though, I I kind of think Baylor is a little tougher than Oklahoma State. I think it's kind of the same matchup you saw in the big um, in the Big Twelve Championship That's last year. I, I I guess the difference will be if Spencer Sanders doesn't throw interceptions. And again, that to me, that's what it all comes down to. Can he protect the football against that defense? Throughout his career, he has shown that he cannot. Yeah. So that's what I think is a difference. I think it's a close game, but I think he has a turnover and um, Baylor pulls it out here. I like I'm with game. you. I, I like – and Baylor's at home. If this was Oklahoma State, I, I would might hesitate a yeah. little bit more on the pick. Same. But, but Baylor at home, and they've, and they've already lost a game, so – they kind of know what that's like. They've been in that, you know, they're a little, hung, you know, whatever the case may be, a little more on edge knowing how important each win is going to be. Uh, yeah, I like Baylor. I like Baylor. Kevin, it's time we thank one of our sponsors. Um, I don't know if we've talked too much about this sponsor on this podcast before, but it's Brad O'Haver. And they work for the insured, not the insurance company. A week ago, Kevin, you were doing an inventory at a client's house and you were out there all day. Since last Wednesday, you've still been out there all day. What have you been doing out there, Kevin? What have you been doing? We're performing a physical content inventory. So the client had a fire. So we go in, we count all of the client's things to make sure that they can get paid fairly by the insurance company. The insurance company will do. They'll take a look around, throw you a number, you take it, you start to replace your things, and you realize, oh, I'm out of money, and I haven't bought barely half of the things that I had. So we make sure that you get paid for every item that you lost. That's what I've been doing the last week. Kevin, you've worked for Brown O'Haver five, six years? How long? Five years. Have you, right. ever, seen, have you ever seen an insurance company do what you're doing today to take care of their client? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The answer is absolutely not. Because Brown O'Haver gets every last dollar they can get for their clients. And that's really, really important to be said because there's initial payouts that are going to be pretty large on things like the the reconstruction of the house, initial contents payments, whatever the case may be. We don't stop there. We get every single dollar we can get for our clients because we know how important it is for our clients to be paid fairly. We get 30 to 40% more for our clients and they get on their own in the processing of insurance claims against insurance companies. So if you've had an insurance loss to your home or your business, fire, theft, wind, vandalism, whatever the case may be, call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Let us get every single dollar for you. Kevin, Texas needs to wash their mouth out of Texas Tech. It's a new season. We're starting over. Everybody's zero zero. Well, maybe not. You're two and two. But what do you need to what do you need to do against West Virginia to get back in the win column? You need to finish the game. You need to finish the game. I already know that Sark is gonna have a nice plan to open the game. He's gonna have a nice script, a place that is gonna get West Virginia off balance. 
some misdirection, some kind of bootleg RPO type deal to get guys open. We're probably going to take an early lead against West Virginia. Can we finish the game? Seems to he seems to go into a shell. I've got some concerns with Sark that this game exposed for me. Um, some of the same things we saw last year that I assumed would be corrected, and they weren't on Saturday. That, so listen, I've got some concerns there. Listen, this has been the theme of yours since this summer when we were talking about Sark, talking about uh, last season, talking about what we're looking for in fall camp, what we're looking for in this. And you've been pretty consistent about that, that it's it's Texas's ability to finish games. Clearly, this, this, this forget about being a fan of, of Texas or a Texas hater like me. It doesn't matter. The statistics show you have the talent to win the games. Because you you are winning or taking the lead in so many of the games you've been playing that you've yes, lost. Right. It, it's just it's mind boggling how many leads you've had, including including Alabama, right? Including yes. Oklahoma last mm-hmm. year, obviously. So yeah, so again, there's a good chance. Is there a good chance you get Ewers back? Is he playing? Does, does Sark almost does Sark almost he's have to play him? If he's ready to go, you have to play him. If, but he's got to be ready, though. You know, it's you can't have him come out, take one hit, and then be out the entire season. Yeah, but so look, if he's I, not, he, he's got to be ready. But doesn't he have ready. to? If he don't, you want him to get reps before an OU game, though? Don't you? Want I would love to get, for him to. Get, yes, there's nothing I would want more than him to come out and play against West Virginia this week, and then be ready to go in the Cotton Bowl next week. But if he's not, you got to sit the kid. Uh, how banged up his card? You know, I think the ankle's still sore, but, you know, he's a trooper. He's, he's toughing it out. And the thing about Hudson Card, I know a lot of our fans want viewers out there. So do I. But, again, Hudson Card played well enough for you to beat Texas Tech last week. That, to me, that's what it all comes down to. He may be a little bit more limited than viewers is, especially from when it comes to throwing the ball down the field. You've got the talent in place. You should have the scheme in place where you can be able to win games against Texas Tech and West Virginia with Hudson Card. It's not like he was some walk-on. Uh, reports from Austin is that Bijan was seen on campus carrying a football around, encouraging fellow students to try to knock it out of his arms. Uh, can you confirm those reports? I can't confirm at level one, but I've heard the same reports. He's been walking around with the football. And he said a student tried his really for it's for his teammates to try to knock it out, but he did say a couple of students have tried unsuccessfully. It just uh it when a guy like Bijan's the one that fumbles, I can remember Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson had the fumbles, right? He he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. For for as strong as he was, and especially in the NFL, even more so than in college, um that's not Bijan Robinson, though. I mean, what's the how many fumbles lost does that guy have in his career? Third of his career. Third of he, his career. I, he's mm. gonna be, you know, Bijan will be fine. The, the reality yeah. is you should have never been in overtime, but you were and you fumbled. Um, okay, that's your offense. You're really cards doing enough to win. Bijan is enough to beat West Virginia. Can your defense stop? Can your defense stop JT Daniels? You know what? That that's a great question. That's a great question. After Kevin, the real quick, line, does it, real quick. Does it does it blow your mind when you consider the fact that you held the the reigning Heisman Trophy winner to twenty points? 
and yet you, know, you are, and yet you're sitting here, honestly, and, and I appreciate the honesty. And I'm not trying to even pick on you. I'm just saying, as a as a sports as a as a fan of a of a team, that you're literally going. I don't know if we can stop West Virginia. Like, holy crap! You stopped Bama, and now you're wondering, can you team. stop West Virginia? Yeah, look, man, this is a team that plays up and down to their competition level. It was the same way with Tom Herman, right? Alabama, OU, you're gonna get their best. Other teams. Sometimes you don't. I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense. But th- this is what we're looking at here with this with these guys. Um, some of the questions I've got for you, y'all are current. Speaking of re- recruiting, y'all are currently ranked third. OU's ranked sixth. It when does if it does losing start to affect this recruiting class? Is this recruiting class locked, or if um, you lose a never, couple, it's never locked. Right. Guys are never locked in until they sign. Right. And even then, you know, you got the transfer portal. So, I mean, listen, if they start losing, you lose this game, it can be bad. It can be bad. Yeah. At least it's going to start raising some guys' eyebrows if you lose at home to West Virginia. You know, losing to OU, losing to Alabama. Okay. You know, especially if you're competitive. You start losing those games to West Virginia. But you have been. It's a bad but, loss. But you have been, right? You'll agree with that. You have been Correct. losing those games. Yeah. Correct. But, you know, you recruit guys on the – when you're Texas, right, your recruiting pitch is, hey, we're getting this – with Sark, second year, I'm getting this thing turned around. Okay? There's, there's signs there, right? There were signs of improvement. There were flashes of what it could be, right? The first half of OU last year, the the – a lot of the Alabama game, it's flashes of what it could be from sure. the atmosphere, from on the field. That's what you're selling. So when you go out and you lose to the likes of Texas Tech, right, who I think we can all agree is not a very good team. We'll yeah. see. Maybe they end up making a Big 12 championship game run, but I doubt it, right? And then if you lose to West Virginia, then it's like, okay, well, I'm seeing a lot of the same things that I've seen for the last several years with Texas. So handle your business today or on Saturday, then none of this matters. Um, West Virginia is a nine and a half point underdog. Does Texas cover? No, they win, but they don't cover. That's a, that's exactly what I have. I've got I got WVU to cover. I I think. Listen, if yours plays, if I knew for sure yours was playing, and it was that it was the yours that we saw in the first quarter against Texas. It would be an easy cover for me. I think that kid is really, really good. If 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 that's the real player that we saw there, yeah. um, with Card, I just don't know that you have the firepower to just go ahead and leave a team in the dust, you know. And so yeah. it really, it really depends. Can your defense just kind of keep them down? They should be able to. West Virginia is a good team. Like they're not a bad team. Not at all. No, not at all. They got to get off the field, too. These third and fourth down conversions. I mean, oh, I, I know you remember Listen. this from with OU, same thing. Get off the field, man. Third and 26, jumping off sides, giving up pass interference calls. Get off the field on third and fourth down, run the ball, take a few shots down the field, play action. And for goodness sake, Sark, keep keep pushing. I mean, your mantra is all gas, no breaks, right? Like, it, it's not like that. This guy goes into a shell in the second half, and he's not managing the game well, which is, again, my concerns about him 
as a head coach. It's not his ability to motivate the team or to get them ready to play, but it's managing the game, the flow of the game. He doesn't have he doesn't seem to have a good feel for when, oh, I need to run the ball here, or I need to take a shot here. I gotta call an RPO here. That's it, what's concerning with him as a head coach right now. Uh, Kevin, I I mean to OU fan will say I told you so on this deal. That's that's exactly his problem at USC. It was pro- is his problem at Washington when he didn't have the burden of the de- of managing the defense for Alabama, and he had all the weapons. I mean, look, dude, at Alabama, it didn't matter what you called for 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 the better part. Of, I mean, dude, you had Najee Harris, you had uh, was he Mac yeah. Jones? <clears throat> yeah, he had Mac Jones. Yeah, he had a Heisman Trophy winner. Or- Receiver, I mean, come on. He man. had four first round picks at a receiver. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Judy, um, uh, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. That's all that, on the same team at the same time. I, I mean, yeah. not I, not to take anything away from him in that role, but my God, dude, you and I could have almost called that offense. My point being is, as a, as a head coach, this is exactly what he's been. So if I'm Texas fan, I don't. Maybe look, we, you'll know. You'll know if you'll know. I think you know when if you're turning a corner when you beat OU, and I don't know when that's going to be. I, I hope it's not this year, but I, yeah. I think that's your. Well, I'm hoping it is. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of OU, we play TCU, a three and O team. They did not have a game uh, on this on week three, so this is only their fourth game, first conference game. They blew out Colorado at home, uh, Tarleton. And they just beat SMU at SMU 42 to 34. They're coached by Sonny Dykes, the coach of, or the son of Spike Dykes, the former coach of Texas Tech. Speaking of coaches that kind of have like a, um, a, a resume that's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. To be fair to him, he's really put his work in at the high school level. He was a high school coach, a junior college yeah. coach, broke in with Division One. He's worked under Hal Mummy. He worked under Mike Leach. He got his first shot. Uh, well, he got his first shot at Louisiana Tech, where he never really had a winning season. Then he got the Cal job, and he was terrible at Cal. And that was with Jared Goff, who is a pretty good quarterback and was a very good college quarterback. Number one pick in the draft. So he did – we can say he developed – he didn't recruit him, but, you know, it's fair that he developed yeah. and put him in a position yeah, to succeed. I'll give him that one. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll say put him in a position to succeed, right? Uh, but even with him, right, they weren't – they were terrible. They weren't great, yeah. He's been – he was better at SMU, uh, 30 and 18 at SMU. That got him the job at TCU replacing Gary Patterson. Um. Do you know anything about Sonny Dykes? Does he come from? I, I mean, I guess I'm guessing he comes. He's from an air that. raid guy. Yeah, yeah, he is an air raid guy. He ran it at Cal. That's what got Goff, you know, drafted number one. Ran it at SMU. Um, it was kind of controversial, you know, leaving SMU to take the job across town, going from Dallas to Fort Worth, uh, switching up like that. So it was interesting seeing him coach at. Uh, against SMU this past Saturday. Especially so in his fans, first year. Especially in his first yeah, year. That's worth, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the fans kind of gave it to him a little bit. And um, is you know who his offensive coordinator is, right? Uh, Garrett Riley? Garrett Riley, yeah, yeah. Is, that, is um, it Garrett? Garrett, correct. Yes. Yeah, uh-huh, Lincoln's uh, brother. Well, so, um, they're, they're explosive, man. 
Yeah, listen, I feel like Max Duggan has been there for like 10 years. I mean, that dude's Seriously. been there. For, he yeah. has been there forever. Uh, but he is having the best year of his four. This is his fourth year. He's having his best start to his career. Um, all these numbers are up in terms of averages. 77% completion rating through three games, 11.4 yards per completion, eight touchdowns against zero interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 216. The kid's slinging it around. And, you know, is that a is that a function of the offense? I'm sure it is. But he's also a very mature quarterback. He's seen a lot of – he's seen a lot. He was never a bad player. No, he's had, he has made some big plays in big moments. Just ask Texas fans. We know all about Max Duckin. So he's given it to us a couple of times uh, throughout his career. Last year, he played really well in Norman. Again, so you, now you guys beat him by three touchdowns, right? But, I mean, that game was close. Um, at least through the first half. I mean, well, you know, if that's 20 or 30, 346 yards with four touchdowns, no picks. That's really, that's really always been the case with TCU is for the most part, OU's own TCU. Like, especially once Riley got there, yeah, Gary Patterson, you know, he's a kind of a known as a defensive wizard. He had no idea what to do against Riley's offense. No, no. Especially uh, when y'all had Rodney Anderson. My goodness. Yeah. And there were some teams. There were some teams that TCU had that would make it close, but really, we 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 really never. I don't know. I never played TCU. Even the one game that was really close was Baker's senior year when he got a concussion, and they had to bring yeah. in Trevor Knight. That game was freezing cold, dude. It was so 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 cold. Um, but it was a great game. Uh, we were killing them in the first half, but they came back because we had Trevor Knight, who was just terrible, and. Um, in any case, but since then, we've really kind of owned TCU. But this isn't a great spot for OU. Coming off the loss, the defense was exposed. The you know Now, it's di- obviously different offensive systems, right? It's a very much a run-first offensive system with K-State. You know, kind of, you know, pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. Maybe take a shot, pound it, pound it, pound it. You know, this ball is going to be flying around. It's going to be... I think it's going to come down to can we put pressure on the quarterback? If you had asked me, if we were playing TCU in game four, I'd have said this is perfect for OU because what we do well is put pressure on the quarterback. But coming off the K-State game where Adrian Martinez handles the ball 56 times, either running it himself or throwing it, and not one tackle for loss or a sack, whatever you want to call it, not one. It makes me – the defensive line is – they got to put some work in, and hopefully they have. He yeah. has been sacked five times this year. So, I don't know. That means the he's got – opportunities could be there. The opportunities could be there. We'll see if it gets res- redemption. Uh, Kendra Miller is their running back. He's averaging 6.6 yards per carry. He looked uh, pretty good. I watched it like most of the first half against um, SMU. He looked pretty good out there. Yeah. He, pretty good. But the guy you really have to worry about. Is, I know it you're Quint, about to is it Quint, to it. is it Quentin Johnson? Yeah, Quentin Johnston. Yeah. yeah, he's a um really talented guy out of Temple, Texas, former Texas commit under Tom Herman, and then flipped to TCU um leading up to signing day, his senior year. Last year and Norman, seven catches, 185 yards, and three touchdowns. I think he's gonna be a first or second round pick in the draft this year. That's how good I think he is. So it'll be interesting to see how you cover him. Do you trust a corner to Man up, do you bracket the coverage his side? So that's definitely something I'll be looking for on Saturday morning. Well, you know, I think our 
I think in coverage, our corners have played pretty well this year. Uh-huh. But I don't think we've seen an offense like – I mean, the, the closest thing to an offense like this was Kent State, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebraska, they, they have some spread concepts, but nothing like an air raid. And Trey Palmer is a talented guy, but this is by far, by far the best receiver that um, that OU has faced this year. And He's a and big do- guy, six foot four too. Yeah, and we've historically we've had problems. Our secondary is getting bigger. Obviously, Woody Washington's a bigger corner. We'll see. Um, I know Venables likes to run. He still likes to run kind of that boundary. What do they call it? The, where your your corner's always on one. Your corner's either a boundary corner or a or the field corner or a field corner based on you yeah. know the width of the you yeah, know the which is the yeah. strong side weak side. Um. So they don't really usually line up man to man, but it'll still be fascinating. I think when Washington's lined up across from him, yeah. Um, I don't know. Look, it's it's kind of the same thing with Texas. It's I I think that I think the offense will be fine. I think Gabriel. I think Eric Gray. If Eric Gray continues what he's doing, if the offensive line continues to block like he's doing, I think uh, I think our offense is is just fine. Mims. Listen, I'll take Mims against Quentin Johnson all day long. I'll take Mims. I mean, I'll ride with him all day. So uh, it'll come down to the defense, and can they get pressure on Max Duggan? And can we create some turnovers? No turnovers against K-State. It killed us. We're on the road. We've got to get turnovers. Oklahoma is a nine or six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Oklahoma wins by a touchdown. I got the final score at 31-21. What do you say? Because of the spread there, I have OU covering. It was like a 10, 11-point spread. I may have TCU covering, but I got OU covering as well. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to I don't want to boil it down and be so generic. It's got to be the but it just does. I mean, the defensive line was non-existent. I'm calling out. Listen, listen guys. Everybody everybody at OU on the defensive line, I know you're going to be tuning in as soon as this thing drops. Reggie Grimes, Ethan Downs, Isaiah Coe, Stutzman, Jalen Redmond. Thank you, dudes. Wake up! Wake! You are a better. You're better. You are better athletes than anything TCU has on the offensive line. Dominate the offensive line. Dominate the trenches. We're going to win this ball game going away, and we're going to get ready to play Texas. Um, dude, listen. I cannot, it's like, it is, it's getting to be like Christmas. You know, it really, really is. I cannot wait. It's the season. Uh, I saw what section my tickets are in. It looks like I'm in section 30. Okay. At the Cotton Bowl, uh, which will give me a little bit of shade, which I love the shade. Always good. Gotta have the shade, man. Listen, the best part about Oklahoma being on the south side of the stadium is we typically get – well, we do. We get the shade that Texas fan doesn't get. No, if you're on the same side, it's it's fizzy. It's split down the – No, 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 no. It goes north and south. The stadium goes north and south. Not true. So Oklahoma is always on the south side. So when you get up into those uh, end zone seats, because of the way the sun's starting to hit in the, in the fall, you get a little more shade. Okay, I was thinking more if, if you're on the press box side. Even if you're on the Texas, depending on what side, if you are, if you're near the thirty and if you're on a thirty and closer to the fifty on the Texas side, you do get some shade too. 
but the not thing. as much as y'all do. Yeah, no, sure. not as much as we do. But here's the deal. at 11 a.m. Not at, hardly anybody gets shade. It sucks. I hate the 11 a.m. Yeah, kickoffs. it's hot, man. I, it's hot, dude. I love two thirty. I mean, look. I know this is like a lament. Does Texas fan feel the same way about the 11 a.m. kickoff? Yeah, no, they, we like it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, we, we like the two thirty kickoff too. It just it was a pretty good games at that time slot too. Oh, some really good games. Some really, yeah. really good games. But I don't know. Whatever. This is just our lot in life. We're stuck at 11 a.m. Uh, but I'm looking. I'm excited to preview it. Uh, listen, I don't care what happens against TCU West Virginia on our on our recap show. Hopefully, we just both of these both of our schools just take care of stuff so we can get right into OU Texas. I would love to say oh, that was TCU. That was West Virginia. Let's talk. Let's talk Red River. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I want. Absolutely. That's what I want to do. Absolutely. I am getting fired up. I hope everybody else is out there getting fired up. Kevin, where can they find the Boomer Bebo podcast? Anywhere you can find a podcast. It's Google Boomer Bebo podcast. You will find us there. We're on Apple uh, podcast. We're on Spotify. Anywhere you find it, a podcast, we're there. And again, big shout out to the ref, 94.7, 1400 AM in Oklahoma City. Uh, we're on their Podomatic page where they put all of their podcasts up. That's been a great exposure point for us, and we continue to appreciate those guys. I feel for every one of those dudes that is there today that pr- incorrectly predicted uh, DJ Hicks going to Oklahoma because I know they feel terrible about it. And all I'm going to say is, buck up, boys. Just buck up, boys. This is the guy. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. Let me ask you this real quick. Okay. You mentioned Hicks as the one who shall remain. Nameless, and then I named his he name. officially replaced Robert Meacham as that guy. Do you remember Robert Meacham way back in like 2003 or four? Yes, the five star receiver out of Tulsa. Everybody thought he was going to OU, signed with Tennessee. So, has he officially replaced Meacham? Ended up being a good Robert player, Meacham? right? Meacham ended, ended up being a great player. player, yeah. Played several years in the NFL. Um. I think it'll depend on what Hicks does at AM and and later on in the NFL. Fair like if yeah. it, it, we all like I'll never forget how I want to how how far away was it? Who was the? Uh, you'll know this probably. The he was a defensive lineman at Douglas High School here in Oklahoma City, and his brother played basketball at Oklahoma State. Oh, I cannot think of his name. Are we talking? When when are we talking? Oh, Ten years ago, maybe. And he went to LSU. Oh I my know, gosh! I know who you're talking about. P- people are. People are yeah. shouting at me. I'm sure his brother was his brother was Stevie, I think, at Oklahoma State. And anyway, he chose LSU, and he showed up to his signing in a white limo with a white suit, and it was just it was obnoxious. Now it wasn't like a flip or a surprise, but it was like seriously, bro, with LSU and the white limo. And I don't think he ever touched the field at LSU. And so, thusly, I don't even remember his name. So I hope that in the uh, world of sports that David Hicks has a long, productive career not doing anything at AM and goes on to sell life insurance and coach, and coach high school you, football. Before you, before you say that, before you say that, let's just make it known. He has not signed in a, a letter of intent yet. There is still time in this recruitment. It's not over until they sign. Crazier things have happened. Also, you got the transfer portal now. So I imagine that Venables and his staff is like, okay, yeah, congratulations on Texas AM. Keep treating them right. And then, you know, he goes to AM in a year. He's not happy. Guess where he's, guess who he's calling first? How, I got to tell you, I would have a hard time with that. 
I would have a hard see, time. That sh- coaches aren't like fans. They don't hold. They can't hold grudges. You can't. No, there's no need for it because you never know. You don't think Venables with his, uh, you know, the way he preaches commitment and you know mm-hmm. we're married and you're this and that. That when somebody when somebody really disrespects the program, like one thinks or maybe perceives that Hicks did today, that they're willing to go. Hey, you know what? You're not there yet. You really think they're able to pull that off? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it, man. This is a five-star defensive lineman we're talking about here. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a you good know? point. So, yeah, even now, he, remember, he hasn't signed. Signing day is not till the end of December. Listen, I had plenty of girls so in high school. Keep, I, I, I had plenty of girls in high school that did. I had plenty of girls in high school that rejected me, and I would have taken every one of them back. So I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, again, again, that's why coaches can't be like fans. We can well, hold grudges. William Howard Taft, class of 97. You know what I'm talking about. All of y'all out there. <laughs> look at me. Look at me now. I got a podcast. All right. You missed out. All right, man. Yeah. Take care of business. Take care of business. OU's going to take care of business. Boomer. Hook him.